I've talked about many of the characters and I've described how they either fit or do not fit a particular leadership characteristic or a particular leadership theory. That's right. We're going to talk leadership and Hogwarts. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Veterinary Business Success Show, a part of the VEDEX Leaders Community Online. In each episode, we explore ideas and subjects you can use to manage your veterinary practice better and be a better leader. I'm your resident asker of questions, Brendan Howard, and today the resident Potterhead with a job teaching future MBAs about leadership is Aditya Sinha, assistant professor at University of Wisconsin-Whitewater and author of Leadership Insights for Wizards and Witches. The book uses stories from the seven-book Potter series as a leadership case study. We'll talk Harry, we'll talk Hermione, we'll talk Dumbledore. This is a bit of a wandering conversation. If you've read all the Potter books, you're going to be right at home. For you Harry Potter novices, if references go over your head, you're smart. You'll figure it out through context. So, how did Aditya get lucky enough to write a biz book about Harry and the gang? Yes. So, you know, the series, there was a call for proposals for books in this particular series. And I think by the time I got to reading it, the first two books were already commissioned. Okay. The one on Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. So I, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. I got in touch with the editors and I was like, hey, I love Harry Potter. And I think I could write a book on leadership using the context of Harry Potter. So I wrote a proposal. They sent it out to review. You know, the reviews came back and then, you know, they liked it. So I got writing it. <laughs> Wait. And so just because because there might be Potter obsessed fans out there, I'll ask you, what is the level of your fandom like when you say oh. you like potter like read oh, all the books yes, read yes, all yes. how far does it go okay so i mean i'm sure there's a bunch of potter heads out there who are <laughs> you know like a lot more pottery headed than i am but i've read every single book in the series at least 50 or 60 times you are kidding no no so I'm that not means kidding. you finish them and immediately start reading them again Pretty much. Yeah, I, I read them multiple times every year. <laughs> so, and I've been reading them since um, 1997. So, you know, and, and I still read them. It's, I mean, they are so much fun to read. So, yeah, every single book in the series, I've read them 50 or 60 times. I've seen all the movies. I have, uh, when I was a, I haven't done this for a while, but when I was a teenager, I used to write fan fiction <laughs> on Harry wow. Potter. So, in fact, I wrote this one fan fiction, which was, uh, which was like a mixture of Harry Potter and Austin Powers. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. You have established your Harry Potter creds. Tell me where the business and leadership, tell me about your credentials and kind of where your teaching oh, and okay. writing career has developed. Yes, yes, absolutely. So I'm an associate professor of management at the University of Wisconsin, Whitewater. And uh, so I've been here for about eight years now. I've taught a multitude of courses but the course that i always teach is leadership development it's at the mba level and uh, i've also taught a couple of undergrad leadership classes but typically i teach the mba course on leadership development and i do a lot of my research on topics like uh, ethical leadership servant leadership unethical leadership so there's a lot of leadership in my research and in my teaching when in your approach to leadership, do you mm -hmm. sort of share 
you know, there are a number of lenses through which to look at leadership. So you, you mentioned servant leadership, ethics. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a lot of different ways in which people think about themselves as leaders. And a lot of people out there who've written about leadership and said, mm -hmm. leaders are supposed to be this. So do you kind of walk through lenses or in your classes or in your thinking, does all the leadership more kind of holistically fit together? Or is it more about shifting your lens, depending on what part of the leadership job you're doing at that time? So in my classes, I, I actually take them through, you know, the origins of how we first started to study about leadership uh -huh. till what we're doing right now. So I take them from the, you know, so in the past, people used to think that in order to be a leader, you have to be born a leader. You cannot become a leader. But <laughs> right. then, you know, eventually the tide changed. And right now the prevailing view is that, you know, you don't necessarily have to be born a leader. You can train yourself or you can get skills, you can acquire skills and you can become a leader. So it's sort of like a, it's a transition. And I personally think that there is, you know, depending on the situation, there are different, depending on the situation, depending sure. on the context, there are different leadership styles that work better or work worse. It all depends on how it fits. Okay. Is there a particular, when you thought about how do I want to teach leadership as mm -hmm. it ties into Rowling's books and plots and characters, was there a particular mm -hmm. approach you took or did you kind of take all your leadership knowledge and try to roll it up into this book? What, what was your thinking and how you tried to mesh the two things up? So this particular series, it is an academic series. Uh, so I was told by the editors and the publishers that, you know, don't write fan fiction. <laughs> Don't write a new Harry Potter book. Make <laughs> okay. sure that it's tied in with leadership. So that's what I did. I basically considered the book. It's, I mean, you could technically take this book and you could teach a leadership class from it. It walks you through all the various leadership developments. I mean, not to the extent that a, like a book entirely on leadership would do, but it does that to a certain extent. And it does it with, examples from the Harry Potter context. So if someone happens to be a Harry Potter fan and also wants to learn about leadership, I think my book would be a good fit for them. There's a lot of sorting, you know, I, the uh -huh. earlier question about, oh, leadership, I feel like sometimes gets sorted into different lenses or different mm -hmm. approaches. Mm -hmm. And of course, the Harry Potter books are set up from the very first book in kind of a way where they sort people into houses. And then there are these canonical characters who are always with very different personalities. So I could see how in the book, those mm -hmm. very different personalities might be sort of different kinds of leaders. How did you sort leadership into the book? Did you use houses? Did you use characters? What did you do? I did do a little bit of sorting. So, but not to the extent, it, it, not like a Hogwarts house sorting. Okay, um, you didn't tell but... people you're either a Hufflepuff or a <laughs> Slytherin kind of leader? Okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> so I, I tried to show the, the positives and the negatives of many of the characters. So for instance, um, Harry Potter himself, you know, I mean, he, he is the, I mean, he's the main character in the entire right. series, but he does have a few negative traits. He's not completely you know golden like th there are certain areas in which his leadership was lacking like if you remember in the fifth book harry is such a ill-tempered guy in that book he's just lashing out at people he's angry he's paranoid he's not the best version of himself 
And and the same thing with Ron. You know, Ron is like up until book four, Ron was always the steadying force that you could rely on. But then in book four, you see that he's got a lot of jealousy inside of him. You know, so he got so envious of Harry. In fact, the only character that I think is probably a lot more golden than than the others is probably Hermione. She was always level-headed, you know, cognitively and emotionally intelligent. So, yeah. So I, I think, yeah, out of the three, uh, so, so, so in this, to get back to your question. Yeah. In the book, I've talked about many of the characters and I've described how they either fit or do not fit a particular leadership characteristic or a particular leadership theory. Is a lot of the book focused on, I mean, the, that core trio of characters through a lot of the books, they don't have, I mean, there's some leadership things they're asked to do, but they're not thrust. I feel like until closer to the end, really thrust until into positions of explicit leadership. Do mm-hmm. you deal a lot with like the teachers and the headmasters or headmistresses of Hogwarts and look at them? Or do you really kind of focus on the main trio of characters? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I have actually focused on a lot of characters from the books. So a lot of the teachers, a lot of the Ministry of Magic employees, a lot of the, you know, Death Eaters, a lot of the house elves, a lot of the goblins, a lot of the giants. So, yeah, you know, that's one of the reasons why I focused on the books, not the movies. Because I, I thought the movies did a little bit of a disservice to the books because they cut out a lot of characters. They, you know, I mean, they had to, right? Like book seven, Malfoy, he doesn't have Crab and Goyle with him because the actor that was playing, I forget, either Crab or Goyle, he, he went to jail in real life. So they couldn't <laughs> <laughs> so they couldn't have him in the movie. But that was like, oh, come on. That's the movie where Crab and Goyle really show their true selves, you know? So... So yeah, so it's not just, uh, you know, our trio of Ron, Hermione, and Harry. I've written about a lot of characters. If someone has only watched the movies, they might not, you know, gather who that character is because uh, some of the characters didn't really appear in the movies much. But if you've read the books, you'll immediately cotton on. Oh, yeah, Mrs. Fig. Yeah, you know, or uh, Argus Filch. I mean, he was there in the movies, but his character is a little different in the books. Today's show is brought to you by Vetex International. Now, are people the major pain point in your practice? If so, you're not alone. Over 90% of managers report staff problems to be their number one issue. At the root of this problem are usually three dysfunctions. A poorly articulated vision, toxic culture, or some form of leadership breakdown. If this sounds familiar, then do not despair. Help is at hand. I encourage you to check out Leaders, a veterinary-specific leadership training program where you will learn how to create and execute on a shared vision, how to hire well, and build a powerful, high-performance practice culture without all the drama. The class is accredited, delivered online, and open for applications now. To learn more, listen to a free training webinar, or apply, visit vetexinternational.com forward slash leaders. Okay, welcome back to the show. I hope you enjoyed part one. Let's get into some more meaty content to help you grow your practice in part two. Can 
a, a little bit about that, just the difference between sort of people who are explicitly leaders and managers according mm -hmm. to the hierarchy. And I think mm -hmm. this evolving, this this growing and evolving idea that everyone can be a leader regardless mm -hmm. of who they are in a place. Do you kind of lean one way or the other in this book? In other words, do you look for the moments when they were standing up and saying, I'm the leaders? Or do you try to draw lessons from even they were in a group of one or two and they were working together and this person expressed leadership qualities, even in this, they didn't call it out as a leader and they weren't being a manager, but they were still using good management leadership techniques. Oh, yes. So personally, I believe that all of us can be leaders if we put our minds to it and if we work at it. So in the book, I've actually done that. I've, I've shown how some people have evolved in the book series. So for, for instance, yeah. Neville Longbottom. In the initial books, I mean, the guy isn't really, you know, I mean, he's not really leader-like at all. He's shy, he's afraid, he's, you know, underconfident. Yes. But then the pivotal moment for him is when Professor Lupin shows him, you know, like kindness. He tells him that, hey, Neville, you can do it too. And Neville is able to do that complicated spell, the ridiculous spell. So after that, I think Neville really started to flourish. By book seven, Neville is, you know, as good a leader as any of our, you know, the main trio. So it's interesting in that example you gave, this is someone who was very hesitant and then another leader, someone they would mm -hmm. regard as a leader, came to them mm -hmm. and sort of had, gave them a mentorship moment or, or mm -hmm. sort of guided them with some good advice. Is that crucially important? Do you have other examples in the book where people without any advice, given no direction, become leaders and don't kind of get, you know, sort of pushed into the spot or given confidence by other people, he, people who kind of grab leadership? Oh, yes, yes. I have a chapter on self-leadership. So okay. that sort of uh, gets at that particular idea that sometimes you might not have a mentor, you might not be trained in leadership, but you essentially have skills that allow you to become a leader. So th that's where self-leadership comes in. An example of a person, mm, I would have to say someone that embodies or exemplifies self-leadership is probably the Weasley twins. Okay. Fred and George. I mean, nobody taught them to, you know, take the initiative and... They're totally out of control at the start of the series. Oh, I mean, they're totally out of control <laughs> till book five. So, yeah. but then they become businessmen and they become really successful ones. You know, they take it on them. In fact, I would say that they're probably... Somebody should do a, you know a study on the on the Weasley twins and show how <laughs> how that relates to entrepreneurship because i mean those two are they were not really academically focused even right. if they were very brilliant but they took their brilliance and they took it to a business field so so yeah i mean the Weasley twins are like perfect for self leadership they nobody taught them they sort of you know they sort of taught themselves Another sort of leadership style, maybe old fashioned. So Dumbledore, if somebody asked who's the leader in the Harry Potter books, mm -hmm. Dumbledore might get talked about, especially because in the beginning, he is just the chief at the top of the hierarchy. Uh -huh. It seems like he's the person who has the most authority, the most mm -hmm. wisdom. And yet people do criticize him for hiding information from people. If only right. he told people earlier about things, 
do you talk about that? So he's like this quintessential leader presented from yes, the very beginning. Yes. Um, but he has some questionable, where do you see his failings? He's very wise and very kind, but in some ways he holds all his information in, doesn't tell people things, and that causes problems. Oh, absolutely. So I love Dumbledore. So I mean, I mean in the book, right. I, I think I probably praised him more than I've criticized him, but <laughs> but I do see your point. You know, the information, he kept it very close to his, I guess, heart. But at the same time, he needed to do that because if that information had leaked out, then there's a possibility that Voldemort would have found out. And then, you know, all the Horcruxes, they would have been impossible to find. So I talk about that. So sometimes maybe a leader does not need to be completely transparent. Sometimes you, you know, you might not want to put all your cards on the table. You might want to keep them a little closed because of the uncertainty out there. And uh, you do have to make backups. So I've, I've written about that in the book. So even Harry does that eventually, right? So he, he tells Neville, all right, you see the snake, kill it. So he doesn't tell him why. He just tells him, you see the snake, kill it. So it's a, he's, he's arranging things. If something happens to him, Neville will be on the case and you know he'll, he'll kill Nagini. So... But I do see the point. A lot of people criticize Dumbledore awfully. It's become somewhat fashionable to criticize <laughs> Dumbledore. But I don't know. I still, I think Dumbledore was great. He was, you know, and when he dies in book six, I, I was honest to God. But the first time I read that book, I was like depressed for like a week after that. <laughs> you know, after Dumbledore died, I, I actually... I stopped reading the book for three days and then I was like, okay, I better finish it. <laughs> but Yeah. So I think you, you defended him well. What are other lessons you draw from his approach to leadership? So one thing, you, so one thing we got there, which is kind of what you could come at it from a negative angle, not sharing mm -hmm. information mm -hmm. again, share tries to share information at the exact right spot or let mm -hmm. people discover things for themselves. So he mm -hmm. does that a lot. What other things about him did you think made him a good leader? So one of the things that Dumbledore was really great about was his lack of prejudice. So he did not discriminate against people for their origins. You know, he was uh, the, the part where he goes to get uh, Tom Riddle from the orphanage. Even though Tom Riddle has had a very, you know, I guess murky past. Yeah. Dumbledore gives him a chance. He, I mean, that ability of his to give people a chance that I think is something, you know, worthy of adulation because a lot of times you have people that refuse to give other people chances. You know, we, we judge them far too quick. And uh, Dumbledore was, and even Harry himself, he completely lacks the ability to be, well, I guess he is prejudiced towards Death Eaters and, you know, <laughs> at the so, like, but right. yeah, I mean, that's all right, I guess, but... Uh, he lacks the prejudice that a lot of other wizards have. Even the Weasleys, you know, only Arthur Weasley was probably the least prejudiced in the bunch. But the rest of them, they have this, I mean, they're all nice people, but it's something you, you know, you don't recognize until someone points it out to you. So it's sort of like, I met this one individual one time. Yeah. This is a non-Harry Potter example, okay. but <laughs> I met this one individual at one time and, and the guy was, you know, he was really laying it on about America. Like, oh, America, you know, the minorities are treated terribly, this, that. 
it's not like that in Europe. I was like, oh, okay. Well, well how about the the Roma people? And the guy's answer, and I, I'm, I'm not making this stuff. The guy's answer, yeah. oh, they're just gypsies. Like, okay, you're lecturing me about America. But your sentence there is like dripping with prejudice. Come on. Yes. So, so yeah, it's kind of like that. So Harry and Dumbledore, they lack that. Dumbledore probably had that, you know, prior to his sister getting killed in that accident. But then after that, he changes. But yeah, I mean, with Grindelwald, you know, that the initial part. Are there any characters in there? I think a lot of times in a small business, there sometimes isn't much of a hierarchy because there aren't that many people working in Mm -hmm. one place. So people tend to share a lot of the work. And certain people, you get superstar. I mean, it can happen at a big company too. You get kind of superstar people who mm-hmm. don't want to move up the manager ladder. So, you know, I mean, if it, something from the book, it would be in the example of an incredibly talented wizard who everyone wants to become a teacher at Hogwarts and move up into administration, but never mm-hmm. wants to. Are there characters, do you talk about those people inside there who, you talked about kind of a wide view of leadership where it doesn't have to be according mm-hmm. to hierarchy. Everyone mm-hmm. can do leadership of themselves and others. Mm-hmm. Do you have examples of kind of superstar people in the book who don't become leaders with a capital L, but still exhibit leadership? Is there a good example of somebody who never really becomes a leader in any way and yet still exhibits leadership? Oh, uh, Arthur Weasley. The, you know, I mean, he could have risen really high in the ministry, but he chooses to be in the muggle artifacts department because he really, uh, he has a fascination with like, you know, non-wizards. He right. loves the various contraptions they come up with, which sounds so silly to us, but from a wizarding perspective, I think uh, uh, that's a great question. You know, I have a friend, he's really great at computer programming, Yeah, but the guy never wants to take a promotion. Because he's like, no, I like computers. I don't want to deal with people. So he, he doesn't want to become a leader. But he is a leader in his specific area of expertise. He just doesn't want to deal with people. So if you don't want to deal with people, then you're probably content staying in that little spot that you're in. So I think Arthur Weasley is probably the closest to someone like that. Someone who is content, even though... You know, and, and they're very good. He's very good at his job, but he's not politically scheming in order to go up the ladder. And then eventually the relations, they deteriorate under fudge. So, you know, so he's sort of, he's unable to move anyway. So. Are you a fudge, a Weasley, a Potter? Get leadership insights for wizards and witches wherever cool, fun business books are sold. That wraps up today's episode of the Veterinary Business Success Show. It was an honor to share it with you. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and tell your friends in veterinary medicine about us. Want a little more? You are in luck. An extended version of this podcast is available exclusively to our leaders community. You can learn more at vetxinternational.com. And until next time, I just want you to know... I appreciate you.